It's like there's a heat lamp on in here. It just gets warmer and warmer as we keep going. <laughs> What's up? How was the West Coast? West Coast was good. It's uh, it's hot as shit there right now. Is it still West Coast, Best Coast? Uh, yeah, it's like 110, though, so... Good God. <laughs> West Coast, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 69 here right now, so... Nice. Has it ever been that hot out there? Uh, no, it's like breaking records in San Francisco... You come back and you bring the heat, man. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, speaking of bringing the heat, I was listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the great NPR. It's like a news quiz, I guess you would call it. I don't even know how to describe that if you don't listen to it. But I was listening to that, and during one of their like trivia sections, they brought up some old story, which I guess I just missed when it happened, but I think you saw. But it was about two people who have been in relationships with A-Rod claim that he has two paintings of himself as a centaur hanging in his bedroom (laughs) and i'm like this feels right up our alley like this is super duper weird baseball like this is like weird baseball twitter's peak and so i figured we had to mention it on air really quickly how do you feel about two pictures of a-rod as a centaur in his bedroom like if you were sleeping with a-rod what would you think frankly that's maybe the least surprising thing about him (laughs) like you tell me that and i'm like yeah that that sounds about right um, I don't know. I, I walk in and I see that and I'm kind of like, you see one and you're like, all right, a little weird. That's fine. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a pass. You see a second one in the bedroom. <laughs> at this point, I'm kind of like, all right, maybe it's something that you bring up at that point. Maybe it's something you just mentioned to him and be like, hey, why, uh, why the two pictures of the, the centaur? And, like, are they staring down at you while you guys are in bed? I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions here. I mean, this really opens up a rabbit hole. I want to know what what's different about them. Like, you wouldn't just get two centaur paintings of yourself that were the same painting. Yeah. Like, one of them has to be differentiated from the other. Or, like, A-Rod didn't like something about the first one. And so he... But he was too but, vain to ever take it down. Yeah, but he liked it enough to, like, keep it up there. <laughs> it's, just, it's like an evolution of A-Rod as a centaur. <laughs> just getting better and better. All right. Let's move away from talking about Era as a centaur because this could get into some weird territory. <laughs> but we're not going to get totally away from the weird stuff that happened this week. Um, so since we talked last, there's been a few interesting things that have gone on. First of all, Chris Sale, fastest pitcher to 1,500 Ks. Not necessarily weird because he's a weird guy, but um, just in general, really interesting that he was the fastest ever. I guess it makes sense with like all the strikeout peaks and whatnot. But yeah, he's pretty pretty amazing. I don't know. It feels like it kind of came, not came out of nowhere, but I didn't realize that he was really coming up on this until I heard about it. I got a little notification on my phone that um, he got 1,500 strikeouts in 1,290 innings, which is pretty insane. I mean, I don't know. I'm a little surprised that it hasn't happened quicker, honestly. That said, I'm also not surprised that Chris Sale was the one to break it. I mean, he's going to strike out like 350 guys this year. I guess. I can't believe Randy Johnson didn't do it faster. Yeah. It feels like, because, I mean, he pitched 
and he never really missed a lot of time so like he definitely got there relatively quick unless I think he kind of like reinvented himself as a strikeout pitcher like later in his career though so I guess that makes sense this is sort of one of those stats though that like this career milestone stats it's hard to really put into context like 1500 strikeouts is that a lot like would that be a lot for a career I know it's a lot and I know like the 300 strikeouts in a season is like insane and like not a lot of people do it if your name's not Clayton Kershaw but I don't know it just seems like it's hard to like gauge with like the rest of his career or like the rest of other pitchers who I know are like all-time greats career like I'd like to know how quickly like Pedro got there or like and now I'm stuck on Red Sox Kurt Schilling got there <laughs> like you know what I mean yeah I'm certainly curious. We didn't do the research ahead of time to like <laughs> come up with like a second and third and fourth place, but I'm definitely curious. It's it's hard to put that number into context, but just knowing that he was the fastest one in history to reach that mark um, is impressive in its own right. And it's a little easier if you put into context like you know twice that amount, three thousand strikeouts. That's like a massive milestone, right? I mean, yeah. Not a lot of people have gotten there. Not a lot of people have gotten there. And Sale is only 28. So he reached that in basically six full seasons of baseball. (laughs) 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 That's that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, he's really good. This just just goes to show, like, what is the difference media-wise of playing for the Red Sox and playing for the White Sox. Yeah, seriously. No one talked about him. No. Like, it took him cutting up his jersey for people to actually talk about him last year. Yeah, I mean, but he's been in the top five for Cy Young voting uh, for the last four years. So it's like, clearly he's, uh, I guess, gotten some recognition from baseball writers. But yeah, sometimes it's really hard to kind of um, break out of that bubble when you're, um, especially when you're playing across town from one of the greatest teams in history, arguably. Yeah, true. Well, there also, like, there was also that, that weird thing last year where he was like, I'm not going to try to strike out as many guys. I'm going to pitch to contact more to keep my pitch count down, which like, ended up not working out because when you pitch to contact, they get hits, and you have to pitch to more batters, which means you have more pitches. Yeah. But just the fact that he was good enough to decide that he didn't want to strike as many people out, like, <laughs> think about that. Yeah. Put that in context. Like, What other pitcher in the world is like, I don't want to strike people out. I'm so good. I want to get people out a different way. <laughs> like, No one is that good to even do that. He's like on a different level. Yeah. Yeah, that that really is like Randy Johnson stuff right there. That's like he's like, um, I'm walking a ton of guys. Um, this is, um, it's like six walks per inning or uh, per nine. Six walks per <laughs> inning. Holy it shit! Was, yo, it was almost at that level for him. And so he was like, uh, I'm just gonna go about this uh, differently. Uh, throw right down the middle. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, he sails at 270 strikeouts right now. I mean, we're heading into September. I mean, he's gonna blow past 300. He's gonna be like 330. Yeah, that's wild. God, it's 13 Ks per nine right now. Is that good? He's, uh, and he's walking guys at like a career low rate as well. So I don't know, man. Good luck to whoever has to face him in the playoffs. Yeah, true. It's either twice. He's going to go, he's going to have like a bum garner playoffs. Like they'll just throw him like every three days and he's a nut. So it won't even bother him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, um, certainly, I think you could argue he's the front runner for the Cy Young. If not, it's him or. Corey Kluber, who's also uh, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, he's obscene. I sent you that screenshot yesterday that was like he won player the uh, AL Pitcher of the Month or something like that with like a 160-something ERA and a 0.63 whip. Yeah. Yeah, he had some stretch this season where he was like, it was like six straight games with double-digit strikeouts. What? 
Are Dude, you Sale me? has done it in like 13 of his starts have been double-digit strikeouts this year. No, it's ridiculous. That's crazy. <laughs> Let's move on to something a little weirder. Uh, Joey Votto, he had a he had a weird game. What did he do, Alex? Um, he came to bat five times, and as you do, as you do in a pretty normal baseball game, and ended the game without recording in a bat. Joey Votto went 0 for 0 with five walks. Legend. I mean, if that's not the most Joey Votto stat line, I don't know what is. <laughs> Pete Rose is sitting somewhere going, how did he help the team? <laughs> <laughs> one more reason why you love him, frankly. Joey Votto, I think we've we've talked about it. He's one of our favorite players in baseball right now. He's. This is now the second time in his career that he's done that. He's one of... He's one of only five players to have ever done that twice, to come to bat at least five times and still record zero bats in the game. That's legendary. Legendary. Think about how hard that is to do. Like, you're facing major league pitchers and they can't get three strikes over on you without you either fouling it off or forcing them to throw a ball. Like, I, the Reds lineup is not bad. Like, it's not like they were just pitching around him the whole time. Like, for a while at the beginning of the season, I doubt that they still are. But for a while at the beginning of the season, the Reds were leading the entire league in position player war. So, like, their lineup was pretty good. Yeah. It was just their pitching that made them terrible, and they're still terrible. But it's not like you could just pitch around Joey Votto every at-bat. Like, he's cushioned by other dudes. Also, I think actually my favorite thing that stands out about this is, so in the, in these two games, uh, he's he did it once in 2013, once in 2017. He's had two games where he has uh, walked five times. He hasn't scored once. <laughs> that is some Reds baseball right there. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's move on. Yeah, we got to talk about uh, Jose Ramirez yesterday. Weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, five for five with uh, three doubles. Three doubles. And two home runs. Pretty good game. Yeah, uh, I would argue. Although, weirdly enough, the two home runs probably both should have been doubles. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of them really went... I mean, they were home runs, so they went out of the ballpark, but like they didn't really go out of the... Legally we, speaking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put the video in the description because they're uh, wild. If you haven't seen the video, okay, so the first one, it ricocheted off the top of the wall, which is like, you know, it's going to be a stand-up double, probably, but... As it ricocheted off the top of the wall, the outfielder, I think it was the left fielder, right? He hit it to left field. Yeah. Like, twisted around and tried to barehand the ball and catch it because he was getting ready to try and rob it if it was going to go over the fence. So once he realized it was ricocheting off the wall, I think he tried to just catch it with his bare hand or knock it into his glove or something. I don't know what he was trying to do or what was going through his brain. But he ended up, like, volleyball setting it over the fence. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, dude, that's bad beats right there. But then... It happened again. So, yeah, I, the second play I didn't see as closely, but you, you were following it. How did it go? Um, yeah, he hits a – I think it's his, I don't know, his like third or fourth played appearance of the game, and he hits one to right field, and it looks like maybe it's going to go out, we think, and the right fielder jumps up, gets a piece of it. He gets his glove on it. It hits, it hits like the tip of his glove, bounces off the glove, and hits like the fence out there bounces back into the field of play but because it hit like the the railing uh for the stands out there it's called it was a like home technically run. speaking out of the park yeah neither of these should have been home runs <laughs> nope <laughs> the first one is like some jose canseco shit right there it's like... 
<laughs> I like how so many people have done this. Like it's it's been done a few times, even just this year, where they've like vo- essentially volleyball set it over the fence. But we just keep bringing up Jose Canseco because everyone fucking hates Jose Canseco. Yeah. I'll s- yeah. Oh, if you if you get a chance to make fun of the time the ball bounced off his head and out of the <laughs> ballpark, you do it. His head was so damn big from all the steroids; it's hard to miss. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Jose Ramirez, good game. Um, Made better by dumb luck. Yeah. I mean, either way, he was probably going to be five for five. <laughs> With so. five doubles? <laughs> so, whatever, man. You're a, you're a pretty good baseball player. Yeah, props to you. Man, yeah. respect. Last thing that we need to talk about before we get into our main segment for the day. Justin Verlander is on the Astros, man. Yeah, that it's is... It's kind of weird. That is wild. Uh, did you watch the video that he posted after the trade saying that he had like 45 minutes to make this decision yeah so he had a a no trade clause right yeah so it was really interesting watching this unfold on twitter you know because this news it's always fast breaking so it's like first the news comes out that it's like sources saying that astros and tigers are um deep in discussions on verlander and it's like all right that shit happens all the time and then it's like they're actually about to trade verlander to the astros it's like okay this just got interesting then the news comes out that he vetoed the trade and because he didn't want to go to the Astros, so they were like, "Oh, uh, I guess it's off." It doesn't make sense. Why do these people not wave? I don't. Know. I don't understand. Why I mean, would you not want to go to the Astros? They're the best team in the AL. Yeah. And then ten minutes later, it's like, "No, it's back on. He's an Astro now." What? <laughs> <laughs> how do you like? How do you follow that sort of thing? I just my heart goes out to Tigers fans, man. This guy has been your ace for this long. Like, I know if this happened to my team, like if this was Degrom. And he was the one being traded to the Astros at the deadline, like at the normal trade deadline. And we, I was worried about him. And then I was like, oh, I can breathe a sigh of relief. He didn't get traded. And then to come up in the uh, August deadline and then get traded on that one, yeah. like at the last minute of that, too, after this weird circumstance on Twitter, like, God, my heart would break like a million pieces. Yeah. Verlander, man, he is a competitor. And you know what? I don't really like him because he has repeatedly fucked the A's in the 2012 playoffs in 2013. He repeatedly ki- fucked. He killed us, man. He is like the reason that we didn't make it through because he is so goddamn good. Dude, his fastball velocity is back up to averaging 96 this year. Yeah. What I mean, the hell is going on? I mean, my favorite thing. One of my favorite things in baseball is that he um, just decides when he wants to throw hard. If it's the eighth inning, he's like, mm, I'm going to put this one at 98 right now. Like, he doesn't lose his stamina at all. Nope. His arm is just... his. First of all, his delivery is so pretty. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's like it's the like most... The, it's like the model. Yeah, it's literally the most beautiful delivery could possibly be. And that's why, like, there was this article a couple of years ago about Syndergaard and, like, his increased velocity and just about whether it could hold up and uh it was essentially making the point that no one has ever thrown this hard for this long without some kind of injury other than randy johnson so if you're going to bet on Syndergaard, you're basically betting that he's going to be some kind of athletic freak point being there was this quote from verlander in there that was like i don't know i just watched Syndergaard's delivery and it just looks simple man it looks really easy like it looks like he could easily throw like two or three miles an hour faster if he wanted to his delivery is just very smooth and simple. And I was reading that quote and I was like, damn, like think about who this is coming from. Like Justin Verlander, like his delivery is the most smooth and the most simple. And he like can sit 100 in the ninth inning of a no hitter. Yeah. So I'm like, this feels good to listen to. <laughs> this feels really good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Some ringing approval from uh, Justin Verlander right there. I should take back what I said earlier about not wanting to be traded. It makes sense. He's been with the Tigers forever. Yeah, this, um, this felt like it was kind of coming for a couple years. Yeah, maybe. but he's probably been like settled in Detroit for so long. It's hard to kind of just uproot and be on a different team. But is, is he in a contract here? I don't 
think so. I think he's got a couple years left on his contract. Damn, so he's going to... The Astros gave up a haul for him. Yeah, they gave up their, like, three of their top prospects. Yeah, which is which is something they can do because the Astros are just loaded. Yeah. Um, yeah, he signed through 2019. Oh, man. Uh... <laughs> An Ace fan realizing he has to deal with the Astros and Justin Verlander God for two more it. years. <laughs> yeah, the worst thing they could do is trade it to our division. Yep. So one other thing, uh, before we get to our main segment, I you pointed out a story to me the other day uh, on the undefeated which is like 538's or ESPN's vertical about like... Was it on the undefeated? I thought it was on 538. It was tweeted out by 538, but it was on the undefeated. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and it's all too confusing, yeah. all, these, all these verticals. <laughs> yeah, that's like their um, black sports vertical. Um, and you pointed it out to me and mentioned you want to talk about it. So why don't you uh, tell us what it was about? Yeah, so it was an article written by Jay Donde. Who I've always kind of liked. I, I feel like I first, this is probably a very young person thing to say, but I first saw and got to know Jay Adande on Around the Horn. <laughs> I'm sure he was doing great journalism before that, but I was just like seven, <laughs> like watching Around the Horn. I was like, this guy's making good points that I agree with. But yeah, so Jay Adande had this article essentially making the point that the baseball that he's watching today is not the baseball that he grew up with. And I saw this headline and I was like, this is interesting that 538 would be tweeting this out. I, I, didn't think that it was going to be another one of those old man yelling at cloud rants about how everyone strikes out and no one puts the ball in play because that article has already been done by 538, I'm sure, and by everyone essentially. So I clicked on it and he's essentially making the point that there are not as many black players in baseball anymore. And for that reason, we don't see as much aggressive base running and we don't see as many steals. So he like goes into sort of a cursory analysis of this. I'm sure someone could take a very, very, very deep dive on this. Um, he throws out some statistics, um, just about like the percentage of black baseball players for it peaked there for a while. It was like 18% and now it's down to like seven, I think was the number that I remember. So I just wanted to get your take on this. Like when you're watching the game, like, are you noticing that there's not a lot of aggressive base running? Like, is it something that is pervasive to your fan experience slash your game watching experience where you're like, I'm not really seeing a lot of people stealing bases right now. Like, is it something that bothers you? Do you not care? There's obviously a bigger issue here, right? Is that like, black participation in baseball is dwindling like that is what this article is getting at but i'm just talking about simply like the style of baseball like is that something you notice i think it is i mean obviously it's all anecdotal right and he pulled up these graphs i think it's something that you do kind of notice when you look at it and he this really simple year by year graph of when stolen bases peaked and when uh african-american participation in baseball peaked and it was literally the exact same time. I mean, it was around the like mid-1980s, early 90s, right, when guys like Ricky Henderson were playing. And I think it is kind of something that you notice a little bit when you're watching the game. He mentions that the, um, the statistical revolution, the data revolution, kind of discourages uh, stolen bases because they're not as worth it, right? And, you know, I mean, we've, ta- we've mentioned it before that, I mean, everyone has mentioned it before, that baseball is moving more towards those three tr- true outcomes, right? We have a lot of home run hitters and a lot of guys who strike out a lot and a lot of guys who walk. And that's fun. Everyone likes to see Giancarlo Stanton hit the ball 500 feet. 
obviously, he's going to hit 63 home runs this year, and it's amazing. And I'm somehow all... this turned into a Giancarlo Stanton segment. <laughs> I'm just like I turned into the the Verlander thing into a Syndergaard segment. <laughs> I'm all for that, but there's something about that scrappy style of play that makes it so much more fun to watch. Um, guys like uh, Juan Pierre, uh, Rajay. Oh, Juan Pierre was so fun. Juan Pierre is amazing. Rajay Davis. I mean, it's really interesting just like looking since like 2000, all the guys who are atop that stolen bases leaderboard are black, right? I mean, it's like Pierre and then Ichiro and then like Jose Reyes and Carl Crawford and Jimmy Rollins and Rajay David. I mean, Carl Crawford, man, what happened? I know, throwback. But it really is, I think it is something that you kind of noticed a little bit. I mean, like when we were at the Mets game earlier this year and we mentioned. Oh, Jacob deGrom just stole a base. He has as many as most of the rest of the Mets right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I, th- I think what you said is true. Like, I think it's something that I notice while I'm watching. Whenever I see a stolen base, I'm like, oh, this is something you can do. Yeah, <laughs> I like kind of remember that that's a thing that you can do. Like the lead and like the casual pickoff towards first base is almost just like routine now, and like no one even thinks about it anymore. And like I feel like this is sort of like an area that can still be exploited in a way. Sure, like the analytics say stealing a base and getting caught is obviously not worth it. You're just giving an out away. It's hard to steal a base, steal bases effectively and still have it add win probability to your team, you know? But I think like it does more than just add win probability. Like depletes a player's confidence. Like it depletes the pitcher's confidence. Like I watched it happen to my team. Like the 2015 World Series. It was in the back of the Mets pitcher's heads that someone was going to steal or like they were going to put on a hit and run. And like you can't really quantify that. The Mets pitchers were not getting as many swings and misses. Like they were walking more guys. Like it, that was not the same pitching staff that I saw throughout the whole playoffs. And like I'm sure fatigue played into that. But you can't underestimate what stealing bases does to a pitcher's psyche. This is still an area that can be exploited almost like to buck the analytical trend in a way. But I think a lot of it is not being exploited just because, like, he made the point. There's just not as many black baseball players. I mean, I think that there's a reason why you could argue that Ricky Henderson was maybe the most fun player to watch on, like, a day-in and day-out basis. I would argue that he is the probably the most fun player that you could watch um, just because you know what's coming and you know that he's going to go out there and wreak havoc. And that's why a guy like Billy Hamilton is so valuable, right? Because you know how every single is going to be a double and he's going to go out there and he's going to cause some trouble. He's going to put players like Yadier Molina to the test, right? These gold glove guys who they're like, oh, no one runs on me. And then someone goes out there and he's like, actually, like, I can beat you. And that's fun because it adds, you know, more element of competition. And it's like that bang, bang play. I don't know. One of my favorite things in all sports, baseball included, is when Someone tells you what they're going to do and then does it. Yeah. And that's what base that's what base stealers are. It's like, you know Billy Hamilton's going to steal. Or you know Ricky Henderson was going to steal first and then steal third. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you saw someone hit a single, steal second, and then steal third? And have the same batter be up and no outs and man on third just by hitting a single up the middle? Like, I, I can't even tell you the last time I saw that. It's been years since I was watching a baseball game and I saw that happen. I just... It's very fun to watch the mind games of base stealing. Um, And I think it's the art side of baseball. It's not necessarily the math side of baseball. It's just kind of a lost art in a way. Like there was that really great article written by Jonah Carey back when Grantland was still a thing, RIP, where he just sat down with Coco Crisp and just talked about the art of base stealing. And 
you know, he he worked in analytics because that's who Jonah Carey is. And when you're writing about baseball in 2017 or whenever this was written, 2015, you kind of have to work in the analytics side. But mostly what the article was about was just Coco Crisp picking up signs from the pitcher, not li- literally stealing signs, but just like seeing little like leans one way or the other way or trying to steal when he comes into the full when the full leg kick as opposed to the slide step. And I just think that's so compelling. Like it's not just zeros and ones and zeros and ones and zero zero one one like things like that it's not just like robot baseball yeah it's it's part of the it's one of the more nuanced parts of baseball because there's so many little details that are required for you to make it yourself a successful base stealer right you have to look for when his leg starts to go up and is he coming to the plate is he going towards first i mean you know what is he doing and when batters start to like you know time the pitcher that sort of thing read where i mean that's so much fun to watch yeah it's because it's not baseball as a simulation it's baseball as an art which is like i like to think of baseball like that yeah so the art of the steal um bring it back bring it back uh all right when we come back our main segment for the day All right, so we were um, throwing around ideas for a segment last night. Um, we hadn't done any research. No research at all. And uh, we started uh, asking each other who should, if, if we could pick one baseball player to be president, who would it be? Um, and that blossomed in the idea of our presidential baseball cabinet. So what we did... Yes, I mean, we like to talk about theoretical politics because real politics scares the shit out of us these days. Yeah, there's yeah, too much there's to a, even say about that. But. There's, there's nothing to even add. Um, but yeah, it's more fun to live in this fantasy world where nothing is real. And this cabinet would be way, way, way better. Oh my God, they would do such a good job. Yeah, so what we did was we picked, um, we made our picks for what our presidential cabinet would look like if it was made up of baseball players. We dropped a few from the list because... Who the fuck is going to be our pre- our Secretary <laughs> of Commerce? <laughs> because, let's be honest, how many of the people that are listening to this slash how many Americans could even name the entire cabinet? So yeah. we just dropped the ones that didn't really make sense for this exercise. Yeah. We couldn't even name the positions of the cabinet off the top of our head. I don't think most Americans could do that. Yeah, like maybe like 5% of Americans could do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have our president. We have our vice president. And then like uh, nine or ten cabinet positions. And so we're just going to go down the list and uh, and discuss our picks. Top of the ticket, man. <laughs> Top of the ticket. Got to be Curtis Granderson. Oh, of course. If there's going to be a president of the United States from baseball, it's most definitely Curtis Granderson. I would vote for him in a heartbeat. Oh, my God. I would certainly vote for him. I would vote for him over almost anyone that I can think of off the top of my head, including in and out of politics. He really was. We started mentioning this, and he was the first name that popped into my head. And then, like, we almost grabbed this entire exercise because he could have been every cabinet position. <laughs> yeah, we were like, uh, Secretary of Labor. Yeah, that's Granderson. Yeah, he's, he represents the players in the union. Um, Attorney General. Mm, yeah, that could be Granderson, too. Yeah, he'd be pretty good. Yeah. And then, like, I he, mean, he does so much charity work with, like, inner city and like poverty and stuff like that so he could be like treasury he could yeah. be literally anything yes <laughs> secretary of state i want him representing oh me. my god yeah but uh but yeah so uh president curtis granderson has a ring- nice ring <laughs> so nice uh yeah granderson 2020 
But who's on that ticket with him? Oh, you know it's got to be Ichiro Suzuki. <laughs> so he threw out the obvious rules where you have to be born in the United States because that's whack, number one. Yeah. And number two, there are not a lot of interesting players born in the United States who play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the more interesting people are often from outside of the United States. Ichiro Suzuki as vice president. Oh, my God. This, I don't know, this almost feels too perfect. I mean, he's going to go out there and just be the guy who goes to events and he smiles be super likable super likable i mean literally who doesn't like ichiro if you don't like ichiro i you're the problem i genuinely think there's something wrong with you yeah uh the only reason we didn't make him top of the ticket was just because he just doesn't like talking to people yeah I, there's the whole yeah. thing where like i mean there's the obvious thing where everyone assumes that he does know how to speak english he just acts in certain instances with reporters like he doesn't because yeah, he doesn't really feel like talking to them, which is like number one. And number, number two, the other thing is that he wants people to engage with him in his native language. Yeah. And like, so he wants to speak that native language and he doesn't want to be misinterpreted. And I have so much respect for that. My other favorite story about him is that he could hit home runs if he wants to. He just. This is not he true. Just, <laughs> he just chooses. I. Why not? He can't. Okay. Yes, he could hit more home runs and be a worse average guy. But I had a friend growing up who's like he could literally hit a home run on every at bat he just chooses not to because he doesn't want it to be too easy for him i mean i disagree with that <laughs> but i i 100 agree that if he just uppercutted a little more he could hit home runs are you kidding he's still got it he's still out here hitting dingers in 2017 yeah he's so fun yeah it's, it's he's a fun player to watch too because when he does get a hold of one you're like how yeah you're like this feels like backyard baseball yeah exactly all right so grandy ichiro ticket Grandy Ichiro 2020. Yeah. Let's get started. Yeah, true. Honestly, the rules aren't going to matter by 2020, so also, why li- can't they be president? I like how we just use his first name. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's he's not even Ichiro Suzuki. He's just Ichiro. Yeah, Ichiro. Grandy Ichiro. Grandy Ichiro. That doesn't really roll. We got to come up with something better. <laughs> yeah, if you got an idea for a campaign slogan, hit us with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Slogans. Yeah. That's a whole new, it's a different episode entirely. <laughs> All right, let's move down the list. Our Secretary of State, we've already talked about this guy in this episode, so this is going to be a heavy episode on him, but Joey Votto is who I want representing me overseas because he doesn't take shit, man. He does not take shit from anyone, and he's a weirdo, and he's, like, really, really smart. Like, you can't take five walks in a game without being really smart. So I want him, because he's, like, super chill with, like, the chill guys, so, like, our allies would be straight, and, like, our enemies, he'd just be, like, he'd just give them that stern, straight face that he gives to, like, Remember when that fan interfered with the ball and he just stared him down? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd give him that. Yeah, or like I think he was playing. I don't. I don't remember what stadium this was in, but someone threw a uh, paper airplane on the field, and he <laughs> played the role of the villain and stomped on it and shoved it in his back pocket. That's one of my favorite Joey. Votto That's what moments. we need, man. We do. You got to be stern sometimes. You got to be chilly other times. You got to read the situation. Joey Votto is gonna put his foot down. On, Love that on our enemies. <laughs> So true. Uh, also, yeah. he's just capable. Very talented guy. Yeah. Really smart. Yeah. Good guy. Need that. So, Joey Votto, we're a fan. Yeah. Shout us out, Joey. Uh, all right. Let's 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 move on. Um, next on down the list, um, our Secretary of Defense. I mean, if there's if there's one guy who's uh, who's our defense guy, it's Andrews and Simmons. <laughs> uh, this is too easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in the name, dude. Yeah. Forget about the actual role of the position. It's just... 
Secretary of Defense Androton Simmons. Like, I'm convinced that maybe that should just be his nickname from now on. Yeah. Secretary of Defense. <laughs> he makes a play up the middle. Oh, and the Secretary of Defense ranges to his left. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that one doesn't roll off the tongue as much. It's longer than his actual name. <laughs> uh, we've touched on this briefly before, but tell people about your obsessive video watching habits with Androton Simmons. Yeah, when we were running the student newspaper, it would be like 4 a.m. and we're waiting for the last couple pages to be done. And it was like, what should I be doing? It was um, really bleak. So it was really bleak because it was like winter. Yeah. There's no and, there's no baseball on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we're like We would just turn there, to each other and be like, "Damn, we miss baseball, dude." Our like eyes are red. <laughs> we're tired. We're like, "Oh my god, I need something to get me through this night." Pull up YouTube. Anderson Simmons defensive highlights. Oh my gosh. I like have a video that I've played 420 times. <laughs> our parents will be proud to hear that. When we were tired, our eyes were red, and we needed something to get us through the night, we turned to Androton Simmons <laughs> videos and not something more malicious. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Androton Simmons, uh, he's on the front lines for us. It was Androton Simmons, and then it would be that Manny Machado video. Yeah. The one where he would make throws to first from his knees or something like that. Like yeah. That was literally the YouTube title name. And then I would just go to like Mets 2015 highlights. <laughs> get sad. <laughs> Yeah, that was a rough period for us. Yeah, definitely rough. All right, let's move on. So, Androton Simmons locking it down on defense. Um, what's up next? Uh, we have our Secretary of Education. I almost wanted to do a guy like Giancarlo Stanton because he just schools guys Ooh, on, on hitting home runs. You, the pun. <laughs> but for me, I felt like it's got to be CC Sabathia um, because of how much community work he does. Goes out, works with youths in the Bay Area. Um, working with kids. Is he from the Bay Area? Yeah. He's a Bay Area homie? Yeah, he's a Bay Area guy. How did I not know that? Yeah. Um, Representing out here. I feel like we must have talked about that. There's just this really long laundry list of athletes from the Bay Area that you'd love just because they're from the Bay Area, and I can't keep straight. Yeah. I can't keep them straight. I genuinely believe that CeCe Sabathia would make a great teacher. Like, he just seems like such a genuinely nice guy with a ton of patience and, like, willing to work with you on stuff. And, I don't know, would sit down with you and walk you through whatever it is you need to be walked through. Because everyone knows the Secretary of Education actually just teaches third grade. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. He just goes into schools and, like... Betsy DeVos is, like, is like teaching elementary school as I'm speak. the substitute teacher for the day. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Jones is sick, so it's me, CeCe Sabathia. The Secretary Sabathia. of Education, <laughs> CeCe Sabathia. Miss <laughs> Jones. Did you ever have a teacher named Miss Jones? Nope. I had a teacher named Miss Jones in high school, and she was not the most qualified teacher, but everyone wanted to take her class because she was quite good looking for a high school teacher. So all of my friends took her class literally just to stare at her. And I was like, this is so high school. <laughs> it was like some business class, business and marketing or something like that. All right. Um, who's up next? So Secretary of Education, CC Sabathia, as we said, teaching your fifth grader. Yeah, naturally. How to do math. How to add, how to subtract, multiply, divide, that kind of stuff. All right. Next on the list, we got to have our attorney general, obviously. The guy who's going to lay down the law. Yeah, for sure. Let you know what shit isn't accepted. Yeah, literally, this has to be a hard ass. Yeah. So we weren't thrilled about this guy because I don't really like him very much. But <laughs> when you, you got to lay down the law of the land. Yeah. Our guy, Brian McCann. <laughs> <laughs> He's the worst. He's the worst. He is the worst. He, um, He's already taken it up in his career like he's taken up the role of laying down 
the imaginary baseball law. So if we gave him real law to lay down, I can't even imagine how he would be. Yeah, I can think of multiple instances off the top of my head where like guys pimped a home run, and there's Brian McCann as the guy rounds third, ba- third base, standing at home with like his hands on his hips, being like, "You sir are having too much fun." <laughs> like Carlos Gomez did that, and like flipped his bat and watched it. Carlos and Gomez like, is ridiculous, but all right, yeah, all right, whatever. So you hit a home run, you get to flip your bat. That's fine. I but, agree. But Mr. Brian McCann is like, hmm, no, sir, you haven't earned it. Oh. Oh, he didn't earn it. Oh, he didn't earn it. Oh, you're actually right. The ball didn't go out. Yeah. So actually, true. He actually didn't just. He actually just flew out and just ran around the bases as if the ball went out of the park. You actually didn't have what is the most successful at bat for a hitter. <laughs> he didn't. Oh, he didn't double true. and move the runner over. <laughs> he killed the rally by hitting that home run. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Brian... We're never going to let that die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian McCann, uh, go out there, show him who's boss. Yeah. Uh, Reinforce all these stereotypes of laws uh, and everything. And yeah. Ruin everyone's lives. <laughs> all right, next up. Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Yeah, this is a specific one, but yeah. we had a player who came to mind, so... Yeah, ask you for this, I want my guy Sean Doolittle. Um, I love him. Can't believe he's on the Nats now. Oh my god, it doesn't look right in that uniform. It ruins it for me. He is, but it makes sense. He's in DC now. Gonna gonna do his uh, work <laughs> in the community. Um, he's always been um, really vocal about like veterans' rights. You know, really into like supporting our troops in like a in like a they need support like when they come home. Um, he's always been very vocal about that. Not and, in like a Tommy Lahren support the troops way. Yeah, no, not in like a. Not like a someone's having fun at a party and someone bursts through the door and is like, but why aren't you supporting our troops right now? <laughs> yeah, Sean Doolittle uh, does, actually does a lot of good work in the community. And I would actually, he's one of the few ball players who I would genuinely trust to like be a public official because I think he's a, a smart guy and he's funny. Yeah, I don't know. Sean Doolittle. Secret- That's all it takes. That's smart and funny. Smart. I mean, if, if Obama this, was smart and funny. If this presidential administration has shown anything, you don't really need any qualifications. <laughs> you just need to be famous. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> and rich. Yeah. Rich is important. So baseball players, that's you you crossed both of those marks off. Yeah, when the United States ends and we are forming a new country, this is how we're gonna elect people. Yeah. Are you a baseball player? <laughs> yes. Are you smart? <laughs> yes. Are you funny? Yep. All right, cool. You got a good Twitter? All right, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we have a, a homer. A guy that I have loved for a very long time. So. We're back, and we're continuing with our secretaries. We thought about making this guy Secretary of Health out of irony. Um, <laughs> or at least I thought about that, because that would be cruel, and, you know, I'm a cynic. But Secretary of Labor? We are naming Matt Harvey our Secretary <laughs> of Labor, because, you know, he knows a little bit about workplace disputes. Yeah, right? uh, grievances with your employer. <laughs> <laughs> so we feel like he would represent the the angry labor class well, because he has been the angry labor class in the past. 
There's and, not really much more than that. <laughs> yeah, that that was about all all we had. I mean, it's more qualifications than like most other guys. I mean, we we couldn't do Curtis Granderson because he's like, already being president. <laughs> this is like the one of their representatives uh, for the players' union. We can't give him the uh, Jared Kushner workload portfolio. <laughs> Here, do all of the positions. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Matt Harvey could represent the interests of the little man. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be terrible. <laughs> he's like he's like, um, your employer fired you, just go do Coke at a bar. <laughs> it's quite a salacious accusation there. Is it? Sad. All right, moving on to our Secretary of Health. Um we really just wanted a guy who knows how to stay healthy because again, that that's the Secretary of Health the secretaries of all these things are just the the people who literally do what each word <laughs> specifies. They embody the actual dictionary definition of the, the word. The Secretary of Health legally has to be the healthiest person in the country. Yeah, that actually is true. And yeah. that's why it's like we didn't know what any of these positions were, almost like the real-life instance of the Department of Energy. It's just the guy who handles energy, right? Yeah, like oil and gas and all that stuff. Or like waking up in the morning. And drinking coffee, like energy. Uh, Secretary of Health, Robinson Cano. We also wanted an excuse to name Robinson Cano. Oh, my name God. Drop. Love him. We Love. have to we have to name him in, like, the majority of our episodes, <laughs> given that he's our Twitter header. True. Um, yeah. He's cool. He'd be good. He'd be great in public office. Oh, my God. He would be so good. He's so, like, smooth. And, I mean, he already handled the New York spotlight. Why can't he handle the D.C. one? That's actually true. <laughs> um, yeah, here's the guy who, like, knows how to take it easy. He's like, yo, like, don't work too hard. Just, like, do just enough to get by. I mean, uh, I mean, he's been one of the That's help- the motto of our government. Yeah, do just enough to get by. <laughs> it's uh, be pretty good. Um, he's been one of the healthiest players in the MLB. Uh, really throughout his career, he missed one game last season. Yeah, I don't know. He... He's never played like less than 135 games or something like that, right? Uh, I mean, he did his first two years. He's played at least 156 games since he was, you know, since his age 24 season. So, and how old is he now? He's 34. That's pretty good. Yeah. 156 games for 10 straight seasons. That's like that's like the modern version of Cal Ripken. Like if he was playing back in the day, they would have just played him every day because yeah. he would have had a streak. But no one cares about that anymore. Yeah. Like that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, he's just healthy. Yeah, he's Secretary our, of Health. He's our model of health. He could teach a couple guys on the Mets about how to stay healthy. Yeah. Hopefully. Ugh. Maybe. I wanted the Mets to, should trade for him. Yeah, they should. Let's get him. Yo, I wanted to make a Prince Fielder our Secretary of Health because that guy was like, he, you know, like four or five straight seasons of playing every single game. He would have been perfect. And he's just, oh, he's so much fun to watch. He's, he's the best. He's like beloved. I can't wait. I hope he gets it back into baseball somehow. I oh my god, I would love to see him back in the dugout as uh, a manager or something. As a manager or like a front office guy. No, I don't want him to be front office guy. I want him in no, the no, dugout. No, yeah, I want him in the dugout. I want he's his so antics. Much fun. <laughs> yeah, he's so much fun. All right, let's move on. Uh, we got two more spots, right? Yeah, two more, and then an a hon- bonus, and then a bonus honorary member, Secretary of Transportation, Yoannis. <laughs> <laughs> This has 110% to do with the way that he entered the 2016 spring trading for the yep. Mets. All the cars, the horses. Yeah. What? Yeah, so he, he knows a thing or two about transporting himself in style. And as we said before, this has nothing to do with actual like the actual cabinet positions. It's just who is the most recognizable figure 
when it comes to the word and transportation. I just think Johannes Cespedes. Yeah, we're not doing most qualified. We're not going to be like, uh, yeah. So, Except uh, we were for like the first three. We kind of yeah, went off argue. the rails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not about out here trying to be like, so a uh, scooter Jeanette should be uh, secretary of transportation because he uh, studied in college. Jed Lowry went to Stanford. <laughs> He's smart. It'd be super duper boring if we just named everyone who like studied it in college or like went to a good school. Yeah, like actually got their college degree. Yikes. Who cares about that? Uh, yeah, Yoannis Cespedes, I want him out here requiring that you have to travel around in a monster truck or on horseback. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> Pass that law. Move that through Congress. I can't imagine Yoannis Cespedes wearing a suit and like standing in front of a podium and doing a press conference. Can you can you even see that? <laughs> no. Have you seen the picture of him? I'm sure you have. The picture of him in his cowboy hat with his like cowboy shirt on. That's how I want him to dress. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I want him to dress like that for this um position that we have given him. All right. Who who says that you have to wear like a tux like or a suit or whatever? Like, yeah, literally that's one of that's just one of those unwritten rules. Yeah. yeah. Brian McCann will be behind him like, "Dude, what are you doing? What are, why are you wearing this?" <laughs> Why you like this? <laughs> All right, let's move on to final cabinet position. There are more cabinet positions, and if you are particularly offended that we left one off, I don't really care. But yeah. what's our final one? We got our uh, our Secretary of Energy. <laughs> <laughs> this one is arguably the biggest stretch. <laughs> I would argue that it's arguably the most applicable. Um, Jose Altuve. <laughs> and it's... Mostly because he appears in those weird five-hour energy commercials. So first of all, five-hour energy, not the greatest commercials, but if you think about it, like they don't really need to market to a wider demographic. Like The people who drink five-hour energy are going to drink five-hour energy whether they see a commercial for that or not. Yeah, um, but our favorite thing about them, which we've talked about, is they don't really want to spend the money to like license use of the team logos. So Altuve will just show up with like, in like an orange jersey like that has nothing jersey, yeah. on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no one knows who that is. Yeah. I guarantee you no one watching is like, who is, did they get this short guy? Yeah. Who? To, why is he in this? Yeah. They, they just pay an actor? <laughs> <laughs> why didn't they get a guy who looks like a real baseball player? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jose Altuve, Department of Energy. I feel like that fits. He's like a pretty energetic player. Like I was watching a game the other day. He hit a, he hit a grounder between third and short. It was like one step to the right of the shortstop, and he beat it out like by a step and a half. I was torturing myself and watching ESPN baseball. It wasn't Sunday night baseball, but it was like ESPN midweek baseball, which is even worse. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jose Altuve is fast. Therefore, I want him in charge of our nuclear arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Jose Altuve did a promotion for five-hour energy, so he could probably handle the nuclear arsenal. I would argue that he is... As qualified, if not more, than and Rick, Rick Perry, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> who didn't even know what the Department of Energy was. so And also sued it yeah. to try to get it to not exist anymore? Oh, <laughs> uh, can we make this a reality, please? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if you're, if you're listening to this, make all these guys your uh, write-in picks in 2020. If enough people do it, and like at least eight people listen to this podcast, <laughs> that might be enough for the Electoral College. I don't know how you're getting to eight. I can count like six, max, and that's if that's on a good day. Um, all right, it's like our parents, my girlfriend's aunt, yeah, um, your friend from home, yeah, my brother. Damn, that's seven. 
Yeah. We're getting there. All right. We're just like getting up to Mickey Mouse levels of like write-ins. <laughs> All right. Uh, honorary member, mostly because we like made our cabinet and this guy wasn't on it, but also because this the UN ambassador is very important and it's like a Senate confirmed position and it's not necessarily a member of the cabinet, but the government needs it to function. So we needed this guy on here somewhere. So UN ambassador, Adrian Beltre. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is perfect. This is the guy who I want representing me on like a global stage. Yeah, he's another guy. He doesn't take shit. Yeah. Try to touch his head. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I can so see him just sitting down at, like, state dinners and, I don't know, like, like kicking the chair out from, I don't know, (laughs) the the Russian ambassador or whoever. (laughs) Yo, he wouldn't have secret meetings with Sergei Kislyak that he's not telling people about. He would just do it right in front of everyone. He doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Adrian Beltre. Always has a smile on his face. Doesn't take shit from anyone, but also, oh, I would love to, like, grab a beer with him and just, like, Dude, sit yeah. down and chat. At state dinners, like, he would, like, swap out his chair for, like, a recliner, and he'd, like, kick up his <laughs> legs, like, on the de- like on the table. Yeah, that'd be so much fun. Adrian Beltre, definitely at the tops of the list of dudes I would want to sit down and get a beer with. Yeah. That actually, like, helped his, like, like that helped his career for a while, like being likable. Yeah. You know, like back when he wasn't the incredible, amazing baseball player that he is now, um, when he was just like struggling at the beginning of his career, like writers liked him because he was cool <laughs> and nice and fun to be around. All right. So uh, so there it is, your baseball presidential cabinet. If there's any glaring omissions or if there's anyone that you feel needs to fill a position, like, I don't know, secretary of interior yeah if you feel really strongly that um carlos correa should be secretary of commerce let us know i guess That leaves us with one segment left for the day, and I think y'all know what that is. And sadly, it's probably going to be our last one for a little while. So this is your obligatory Tim Tebow update of the week. The St. Lucie Mets ended their season this week, um, I think just a day or two ago. Yeah. This is our this is our time to, to take a look back on uh, Mr. Tebow's season. Um, Mr. Tebow. Yeah, our, uh, our Tebow retrospective. <laughs> Um, how did he do his uh, first full season of professional baseball? Listen, better than I would have done. Better than I expected he would do. I think better than anyone expected he would do. Yeah, and when Jordan's first full season of baseball, I guess it wasn't really a full season, but he had like 210 or like 208. Yeah, it was like 208. And that's like... And he was in double A too. And also he was the greatest athlete of all time. Yeah. Maybe, like arguably the greatest athlete of all time. Easily better in his sport than Tim Tebow was in, in his. <laughs> um <laughs> You could make that case, yeah. Yeah. Nah, Tim Tebow was the GOAT quarterback. That's true. They kept him out because of his religion. That's uh, why he's not in the NFL today. Um, it was all because he was a Christian. Uh, Let so, him be him. Shut up. <laughs> um, Tim Tebow. Uh, so let's take a look at his stat line for the year. He hit 226. Uh, okay. I mean. He's above the Mendoza line. He is above the Mendoza line. Frankly, I thought he was going to 
we thought he was gonna hit like 180 on the year. Dude, I thought he was gonna hit like 140. <laughs> he hasn't played baseball in 12 years. Last time he played baseball, he was a senior in high school. Do you know how bad some of the people on the varsity team at when I was a senior in high school were? Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, so his slash line was 226, 309, 347. That 347 to slugging percentage is not good, but he had an on-base percentage that was almost 100 points higher than his batting average. Yeah, he was seeing the ball well. Yeah. He just he, couldn't hit it. <laughs> he walked 43 times. You know, he only he only struck out 126 times in 486 plate appearances. That's like, I mean, that's like one every four plate appearances, but that's still not that bad. Like, I kind of expected he was going to push 200 strikeouts on the year. It's not Mark Reynolds. It's not Mark Reynolds. It's not that dude that hit struck out 50% of the time who I never looked deeper into. Fun fact, Tim Tebow, he's not Mark Reynolds. That's so true. <laughs> he's like the anti-Mark Reynolds. Uh, yeah, he also only homered eight times, so... That's not terrible. It's not terrible. Eight glorious, Twitter-famous, ESPN push-notified home runs. Yeah. I mean, if you take his St. Lucie season, and pr- he played 62 games at St. Lucie, um, which is you know the Mets' high A team, he hit five home runs there. So if you prorate that to like 150 games or whatever, he's hitting like 10 or 12 in a year. That's good from a corner outfielder, right? Uh, y- yeah. He also stole. He's like Jay Bruce without the home runs. <laughs> <laughs> Defensively, he's worse than Jay Bruce. Is he? I feel like they're comparable. (laughs) (laughs) He really is Jay Bruce without the home runs. Uh, Yeah, speaking of defense, um, (laughs) Tim Tebow had a 917 fielding percentage this year. Oh, man. That sounds good because, like, almost 100% of anything is good. Like, 92% is good. Yeah. In everything except fielding percentage. Yeah, except when you consider that, like, an average outfielder's fielding percentage is, like, 980, 990. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, 10 errors on the year. Oof. Ooh. Ooh. Yikes. How many of those were probably just throwing errors because he was trying to throw like a football? True, and like he <laughs> airmailed it over the backstop <laughs> instead. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't hear more about that from the year. I kind of am too. Like I feel like every single Tebow story would have been explored to its logical conclusion. Yeah. Well, that was like one of the first things that we heard about him was like he showed up at the Arizona Fall League and like started tossing the ball around and like tried to throw one to tried to throw into home plate and he just like airmailed it <laughs> probably because the baseball is a little bit different than a football a little lighter a little smaller you throw it differently you hold it differently yeah your arms at a different angle yeah but your arm is moving forward so in that respect it's pretty similar actually <laughs> i gotta say this whole tim tebow power hour thing has been a lot of fun I can't imagine that anyone else is devoting this much time of their podcast to tim tebow no mostly because other people have serious real podcasts yeah you know, he actually hit 24 doubles, which is all right. You're just going Tim- right back into the stats. <laughs> Yo, Tim Tebow's showing off that gap-to-gap power. Um, oh, man. I really hope he doesn't hang it up. Like, I hope he comes back next year. I think all indications say that he is. He's going to be a, like a 33-year-old <laughs> yeah. high A player. He'll be 31. So he's he's still got a couple of good years <laughs> left in him. No, I, I mean, I think... At this point, it feels like he's probably going to come back. He's going to um, do some broadcasting, some football broadcasting in the off season. But he's so good s- with that. Yeah, I love that. I love him on college football. I I don't see why he doesn't come back. Ne- I mean, all right. So where where do you think he starts next year? You think he starts at St. Lucie again? I don't see why they would send him down. Yeah, you know that would be kind of messed up. He's thirty one. He'll be thirty one or whatever. Like he's not getting theoretically, he's not getting worse. You know. Yeah. 
So, um, <laughs> theoretically, <laughs> rumor has it that he takes like I don't know, like a hundred at bats per day, just like twenty thousand swings in the cage. Yeah, just trying to get better. So I don't know. Maybe by then he'll be like peak Barry Bonds. I would not put it past him. Actually, my brother told me something interesting. You which just is- let go of the fact that I said I wouldn't put it past Tim Tebow to be peak Barry Bonds. <laughs> But anyway, your brother. Because I don't disagree with that. That's, <laughs> that feels like a given at this point, right? Um, he actually mentioned something interesting to me while I was home, and that's which is something that I didn't really occur to me, or maybe I missed this. I guess they called him up to St. Lucie because they don't own the Columbia team. Like you can, you know, you can have owners of a minor league team. Yeah. But if they don't own him, then or if they don't own that team, then they're not necessarily like reaping the benefits of that ballpark money, right? Oh, so they're not getting like all the revenue from it. Yeah, not necessarily. So they call them up to St. Lucie because they are the, you know, the Mets like technically own that team. Yeah. Um, whereas the Columbia team, what are they, the Fireflies? Yeah, the Fireflies. Um, I guess they're just an affiliate. So they call them up so that they can uh, get that money, that uh, attendance money. I guess they could start selling his jersey then. They could start selling his jersey. I guess that's jersey. why it took so long for his official jersey to be in their store. Yeah, so I feel like they're definitely not going to send it back down. No, because... no, 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 no. <laughs> they will not send him down. I thought I thought when you were asking the question, you were asking if they would call him up. Double you, A? You think he starts in double A? No. <laughs> I think he starts right where he was. Do you think by the end of next season, he ends with in double A? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think he goes a whole season with Port St. Lucie, and then I think he retires. Hear me out. All right, I'm hearing. The Mets are bad. S- certainly underperformed this year, ran into a lot of bad luck. Now, you and I, I know especially you, are both rooting for them to do much better next year. Guys like Dominic Smith, Ahmed Rosario um, lead the revolution of, of younger players coming through, Dom. That, coming through that system. Young Dom, that's right. Um, I don't have a nickname for Ahmed yet, <laughs> but Young Dom is legit. You know, Cindergard returns healthy. We get that. Uh, we get 2013 Harvey back. We get 2013 Harvey back. So <laughs> everything goes their way. I don't know how realistic all of that is. I think it's realistic for them to be good if they are not. If they are not good, do we see a Tebow appearance? If if the Mets are at, say, playing 420 baseball at the deadline. It's <laughs> the second time. Do we see some uh, Major League Tebow? No. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> the answer is no. Also... That's You're, so not fun. Why I don't know you, it's why not don't fun. Why don't you even entertain the idea? Okay, okay. Here's how I'll entertain the idea. You just you called him peak Barry Bonds, but you're not willing to say he's going to crack a major man, league Man, he's roster. just languishing. Sandy won't call him up because of his religion, man. Yo, what it's because of his Christianity, Yo, what man. if he trades him? No. <laughs> why would there, there would be literally no point in signing him. They trade him for like a billion dollars. That's the only way I could see him getting traded. Yeah. Like a boatload of cash can you imagine tim tebow just getting passed around between minor league teams for just a boatload of cash <laughs> they're like they're like yo get him over here we want to make some of the money what a sideshow no here's how i see him getting called up he's performing like pete barry bonds as you would expect you know he's getting walked like three times per game like he's hitting a home run in the other at bat like yeah. all that stuff and then Yuanis cespedes gets called to duty in washington dc to be the secretary of transportation, of and then they're down an outfielder. Mm. The Mets aren't going to open up that purse to sign someone else or trade for someone else. Oh, God, no. No, absolutely not. You know not, what we not, do? Not when you can pay Tebow the minimum. He'd do it for free. He'll donate his salary literally back to the Mets. Yeah. Just to be called up to the major leagues. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a Cespedes gets called into public office by his president, Curtis Granderson. Yeah. <laughs> 
And um, and then we see Tebow. Yeah. In left field? Yeah, in left field. It's yeah. easiest position to play. Yeah, why not? So, I'm. you know what? I'm here for it. We're getting season tickets if he gets called up. Like, we're going... Uh, like, no joke. We're, we're going to broadcast live from his Major League debut. And every game after that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be like three games, and then he'll get sent back down. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So I'm here for it. We're going to um. We're gonna have him on this off season. We're gonna make that our goal. That's a bold promise. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite a bold promise. All right. We've been talking about Tim Tebow for like 12 minutes. Yo, but it's the it's the last time we're gonna be able to talk about him at length. Um. Unless so we do a like, whole episode about him, which we will. We'll do. We'll do it down the road. We'll, we're like, having him on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's like already set up. Like I already talked to his people. They talked to our people. We got this. <laughs> yeah, we do got this. So uh, team he would probably do it. Like if he was I, around, he would definitely do it. I mean, I'm not kidding. We're gonna try. <laughs> we, we, we're gonna make no promises, but we're gonna try and make it happen. I will fly down to Port St. Lucie, and I will interview him while he's taking PP, his twenty thousand swings per day, if that's what it takes, just to interview Tim Tebow. So yeah, there it is. I think that's going to uh, to wrap up our weekly Tim Tebow segments. Um, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I discovered a lot about myself. I did too. Um, <laughs> we like his rippling muscles, for example. He's the nicest person on earth. Yeah, that's about he's, it. He's uh, not good at baseball. Not very good at baseball, but he's still a good guy. So like, that's what counts. It got Adrian Beltre pretty far. So yeah, what I don't know, man. I can see it happening. Yeah. All right. So yeah. That'll just about do it for us for the week. Rate and review us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Um, uh, share it with your friends. We're trying to uh, break through, break through that circle. We're, we're like, we've like uh, stagnated at like week. 23 <laughs> followers on Twitter right now. So, yeah, so um, just hit us up. Yeah. And um, maybe you'll be our eighth listener. If you're literally listening, yeah, we only made it seven. So who's going to be lucky <laughs> number eight? If you're listening this far, I mean, it feels like the least you could do is share. Yeah. Or at least, or at least, give us a rating. We actually, uh, we broke through. We now have an average of five stars on iTunes. Dang, dude. Yeah, we if, made it. If one of you guys brings that down, I'm gonna be so upset. I will find you. Yeah, I will find you. Rate us, but only rate us five stars. Otherwise, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening, y'all. We will see you next week. We still need to talk about him, but it, we're not going to be able to have like week to week updates on how he's doing. Yeah, so this is your obligatory. Ah, oh! <laughs> obligatory. So this is. <laughs> That's going to be the blooper. <laughs>